0: technology is in everything from our phones to our watches to our televisions our cars and even our music but there are those who say that technology does not belong in music but does it i'm leo allen and on this episode of voluntary input I'm joined by good friend of the show, Michael J. Mayone. Michael is the host of the Micro Break podcast, a podcast for people with the attention span of goldfish. It's such a great show. Each episode is only about 15 minutes long. But aside from the podcast, Michael has had a career in which he has been a producer, sound engineer, and musician, For many years. So, in my opinion, he's more than qualified to talk about this episode of Voluntary Input Tech in Music. Never forced, never coursed. Open discussions about things in life that matter to you most. From tech to TV, movies, and gaming, and everything in between. Visit VoluntaryInput.com to subscribe, contact us, and find out how you can support the show. Catch new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Voluntary Input. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. How are you doing,
1: sir? I am too blessed to be stressed. What can I tell you, Leo?
0: Too blessed to be stressed. I like that. I like that. How's the the weather holding up out there in Jersey? I mean, we had the typical Ohio snafu. We were in the 70s, and it's winter again.
1: We've been getting south of the Mason-Dixon line weather, to be totally honest with you. It's been 75 degrees, 35 degrees and that's within 12 hours. That's all and, Ohio too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's never like this in New Jersey. And then here we are today. It was like 55, 60. It was supposed to rain, but it was sunny, but tomorrow it'll rain and it'll be cooler. And now there's a frost warning for a Sunday night. So it, it's all over the map. Basically, if you want the weather these days, look out the window.
0: There that's That really is it. Yeah, that's how it is here. I mean, it like I said, we were in the 70s, and now today, I think the highest we got was 50. It's been cloudy and rainy all day, and then tomorrow, they're saying, well, we'll probably get some snow, too. So,
1: Well, it's always sunny in Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight, I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted to tackle this topic about tech and music. Um, primarily, over the years, and it seems like sometimes it comes up again lately, I like to call them musical purists. There's those people who seem to say, oh, well, if you're not using these certain sets of instruments, then it's not really music. And it tends to be guitar, bass, drums, you know, the, the typical stuff. And for me, it's like, but no, creating music is creating music. I don't care if you're using a stick in a log. And, yeah. s- and since I know you're you're a pretty nerdy guy, too, as we've talked, what do you think about oh, you think? <laughs> What do you think about that kind of approach to where, well, if you're not doing it like this, you're not making music, and you've been in music how long as well?
1: Good grief. Well, I'll be 55 this year. I started playing guitar when I was nine years old. Wow. So I guess to sum it up, a long time. Uh, I'm as good as if I was still playing at 10 years old, but nevertheless, I've, I've been playing guitar for one year for 45 years. <laughs> but no, seriously. And that's the um, math segment, folks. What, what was the question again, Leo? <laughs> so the, the,
0: the question was, well, let's, let's first start with, uh, so you've been playing music for a while. You've also done some, uh, you've done recording. You've done some engineering for folks as well and some production. Yeah.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah, it's a long, long story, and I'll, I'll try to keep everything bullet-pointed for you because I'm kind of used to that with my own podcast, Micro Break, but, uh So I started playing guitar, learning to play guitar, I should say, when I was nine years old, and I was always fond of music because my parents always played. They both had acoustic guitars, mostly country oldies. Me and my mom would play Karen Carpenter and stuff like that, and my dad would play Hank Williams Sr. and Johnny Cash and things like that, so I grew up playing... That kind of music. Yeah. Go Johnny.
2: Here's Johnny <laughs> and a uh,
1: different Johnny. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so I was exposed to music at an early age. Even my grandfather played harmonica and sang and, and you talk about, you know, does it have to be this quality instrument or that these brands back then were irrelevant when you're young, it had strings. If you can keep it in tune, it was a guitar. It didn't matter what brand it was. As long as you could play it as you get older, as you get better, you tend to find that there are instruments that sound better than others. And, and then, of course, where they come from, how they're built, whether they're hand-built or whether they're mass-produced. And the price tag usually is a factor as well. Unless you have unlimited income, you're going to find something that suits your price range and your performance ability. You cannot polish a turd, right? okay? <laughs> and so you cannot give a person a $10,000 guitar like a Parker, uh, whatever, just pick a brand. You can't give them a, 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 you know, a expensive guitar and say, here, this is going to make you sound better. Quite frankly, some of the best musicians that I know play the worst instruments, honestly,
0: but they have the talent,
1: but they have the talent to make it work. I've I'm, Just as infamous for doing it. Oh, if I only had this and if I only had that and if I got this (sighs) story of my life, (laughs) there's got to be a point where you need to work with what you have. Your car gets you back and forth to work. Your guitar gets you a gig and a paycheck. It's all the same as long as it works. Yes, it's nice to have nice things. I've had the same. My latest acoustic is a Parkwood and people say Parkwood. What's a Parkwood? I don't look it up. A Parkwood (laughs) was an instrument that was produced for and exclusively to be sold through guitar centers, though Guitar Center did not call it a Guitar Center guitar. They came up with this Parkwood brand. You can only buy them there. This guitar is amazing. Amazing. I've had three tailors, all three to six times as much as this. This one is easier to play than all of them. It has Fisher electronics on it. So fantastic processing capabilities, a built-in tuner. It was $750 at the time. Now, it's going on 15 years old, so it wasn't the cheapest guitar I could have bought, but I love it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it started with guitars, and then it morphed into, well, how do I capture these moments uh, into recording? And at the most rudimentary way of recording, which was a my very first, I remember it, Leo, vividly, <laughs> probably end up doing a show on it. It was a realistic cassette, recorder it was gray and black plastic <laughs> i'm visualizing it it had a microphone that came with it a little mono microphone it was about yay uh, yay big uh the size of a pen maybe and i would lay it there near my guitar and try and at one point i was taping it to the front of the guitar to try to get it to pick up the guitar better but i had a hard time singing and playing and in the thing hearing me play and so your your vocals were more, more well they were worse than that so i would pick the guitar up and try to sing in the microphone oh and you were trying to move it i to wish your i had face. video with that but at the time i don't even think video was a thing um <laughs> if it was it was very expensive uh so and then i started to, to what my first four track multi-track recorder uh, back in the day, and I believe it was a, tax, a Tascam. Uh, they were I was, really. I figured, yeah, yeah TASC-AM really I
0: still have a Tascam. I have a four-track Tascam. Four-track, it's digital. Yeah,
1: this yeah. was analog. This recorded right. to cassette. Eventually, I think I did get a digital one, and this is way before I had computers and DAW, You know, digital audio workstations or DAW, as we call it in the business. Hey, people, you're going to learn something here today. I'll tell you that right now.
0: Well, let's stop at one thing that you said too, and uh, for reference, for. Those who are wondering, realistic. What does that mean? Well, you you catch the micro break episode about a place called Radio Shack, ah. and Michael goes into detail about realistic. Yes.
2: So
1: the house one of the house <laughs> brands of Radio Shack back in the day. Realistic, I, I, it's a fantastic name. It should still be around. I don't see any issues with the name. I think it's phenomenal. And uh, I bought a lot of products uh, before uh, I was a DJ. One of my first DJ mixers were a realistic brand mixer. Uh, They they had speakers. You can basically start almost a mini studio or even a little garage band with realistic brand products.
0: You know, it's funny that you talk about the the four-track recorder. Now, when I was first starting out, you know, I like to call it tinkering with music because I was more of, I just loved the idea of making music and I had a keyboard. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't get the four-track recorder for whatever reason. I think I just didn't have the money. But I could afford a realistic uh, dual tape deck, and I mastered, well, I like to say I mastered the art of somewhat multi-track recording by using dual tape
1: decks. Ah,
0: boy. Boy, oh, boy. Of course, this absolutely thrashed the sound quality because the more you record back (laughs) and forth, you can imagine there's lots of noise and blah, blah, blah. But... But, you know, it it served my purpose.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When I was in my teens, I started to become friendly with with people that were older than me and were also musicians. I I would say that they were kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say idols, but mentors. And, you know, I learned that you really need to be discipled by somebody. You always need to have somebody in your life and something that you're interested in that's way better than you and that knows Absolutely. a lot more, and you continuously learn from them, and you don't have to take everything, you're not looking to be them, you're just looking to take some of the good habits, and, and if, you're, if you're open, that's why God gives us two ears and, and one mouth, if you're open to listening to criticism and advice, you, you'll go a long way, and I did take some of it to heart, some of it I said, no, that's never going to happen, that's not me, but oh my goodness, you get with these other people, now they have their own equipment, and, and I've been in rooms that were, they were just look like a, like a sofa bed in a, in a little tiny 10 by 10 room. I don't even know if that's tiny. I guess it's tiny, depending if you, it's in or, uh, or yeah, yeah. a little room and reel to reel recorders in there. Uh, to, techniques and and also task and they're recording to reel to reel which was the beginnings of getting into studio quality recording and then finally stepping into a studio analog studio you're talking about four inch tape here but you're still analog you still have tape the the equipment was massive the boards were massive and heavy it took I, 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 re-
0: I remember the first time i got to go into a quote-unquote real recording studio i literally almost fainted and i was super young too i'm like oh this is what it's all about here
1: the the bucket list for me is abbey road studios and uh, that would be you see pictures i i I think i posted one of my twitter once and said here i just finished my studio (laughs)
0: <laughs> Mine is uh Paisley Park up there in Minneapolis. Oh. I have a friend he's been several times. Well, because Prince he Prince built a wow. oh, this complex and in there he um he built an analog studio too with I don't know I don't I have to look it all up where he got all this old equipment, but he basically just rebuilt an old analog studio. It's everything's analog in it. And
1: it's perfectly functional. Wow!
0: And I'm like, I just got to get there. I have a friend that goes almost every other year at least. And I'm like, I'm going with you one day.
1: <laughs> there, there, there is something to be said about that old school sound. And you, you start. Yeah, to, I've recorded. I've been a musician in these studios throughout the years, and I can't for the life of me remember every studio name that I was in. There was one in New Jersey, just a few towns away from here, that I recorded in. Um, a few different ones. There was one down in. Clayton, new jersey i don't know google Clayton, new jersey recording studios probably something will come up but i i was so young when i was doing the studio recording stuff i was with a band called secret service and i was just a rhythm guitarist and a backup vocalist i was literally just there to fill in and they would have other artists come in from more established bands uh, come in and record with us and and I guess you would call them session musicians and they would get paid to come in and record but they didn't want anything to do with your your band or your life they just they said here yeah oh play just they got sheet music <laughs> oh yeah your here, sheet music yeah. I
0: mean and, and it's funny when you think about that because that was a job you know how we go to our jobs for them that was their job they clocked in and they're like okay let's get this done and like you said they didn't really care about your band absolutely just give me th- give me the work. And then I'm out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was really intrigued. I loved being a musician in that, uh, in the quote, starving musician. And I, I remember one of the very first ever in front of an audience gigs I did. And I think I was 15 or 16 at the time. And I was with the Secret Service. But this was a stripped down version. We didn't have the, the bass player or the drummer. They were neither of them. Um, I remember the, the bass player's name was Mike. The drummer was Pete. Pete was 13 years old Oh wow and the kick could he was pretty good on the cans let me tell you so what happened was is that is that the right word cans let's just go with it so you have cans <laughs> on your head but go ahead <laughs> yeah, he's a he was pretty good on the uh, <laughs> on the drums that's what they were uh but it was just the two of us and it was a a, a ground round or a sizzler ground round or sizzler some kind of yeah and you play at a steakhouse, steakhouse. yes <laughs> and they had the they had they had bands they had independent bands that would come in on saturdays and play it was just us and i'll remember i remember it like it was yesterday it was 40 plus years ago i walked in there and the guy says uh i'm the manager blah blah, blah. i forget his name he says are you guys from the band and we both looked me and chris the guy that was with me that was the lead singer and in stereo we go we are the band
0: (laughs) monumental moment right there it sounds like one of those movies
1: gig was a train wreck it requires an entire podcast the long and short of it is uh and he may even listen to my show or your show and get wind of this so i'm going to keep it lighthearted. but let's just say that he was not loved in school he was in high school i was in junior high school he was not loved in school So the football team decided to come to the gig, got wind of it, because he was bragging all about, come and see us play. And they heckled us the entire night. The most embarrassing, first ever live gig, most embarrassing. At that point, I should have put down my guitar, threw away my microphone, and went into something entirely different. But I said, nah, they were heckling him not me (laughs) those are his guys
0: so but (laughs) so now that we've gone full circle and got a bit of a history let's get back to the original question the original question was what was actually a point i was making that i hear people from time to time will say well without those kinds of instruments you're not really making music you know because tech there's a lot of tech in music nowadays i mean you have a lot of people that do full fledged oh, productions I'm with you now. just on their computers or whatnot. You're right, and so people will say, "Well, that's not
1: music." That's not, yeah, that's not you're. You're not a musician at that point. You are. You're actually more than a musician at that point when you're when you're going from the analog world of physical instruments, from guitars, from drums, from, percu- from percussion is drums. Michael, uh, wind instruments and things like that, brass. Y- and you go into the digital world, you become a producer, you become a engineer, you become an arranger. Uh, you're basically all three of those and maybe a little bit more tossed in. It's very important, though, to have the essence of music in you to begin with. You can't put a person with no experience on guitar, bass, drums, or anything, has never played an instrument, never sang and said, here's Garage Band. I want you to re- record a song. They might get a couple of bars in. They might get a minute out of it, but it's not Mm going to flow. It's not going to feel like a song. It's not going to have a hook in it. It's not going to have a bridge. It's not going to have a chorus. They have to understand that. Look, and I don't know music theory and I never will say that I do. I, I understand chords, a little bit of tablature, but at the end of the day, I do not understand music notation, period. I refuse to learn it. I'm just lazy. I got... A, a short attention span once you start showing me uh, clefts and I, I'm I'm out of here this is the cleft right here on my chin I'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> goodbye <laughs> but it just bothers me to the point where because I So
0: it's no secret to anyone. I love I love all music. I I listen to so much music, so much different genres because I I kind of it was kind of just the way I grew up, just appreciating and loving everything. I mean, you you mentioned Hank Williams Sr. My parents used to play Hank Williams Jr. You know, it was just a lot of we talked about Johnny. Oh my gosh, still love that. You know,
1: Johnny Cash. A lot of people don't know this about Johnny Cash. Maybe I'll do a show on it someday. I haven't done uh, haven't done Johnny Cash yet, but uh, I did. Elvis Presley though Uh, but Johnny Cash didn't even have a drummer on most of his earlier recordings what he would do is he would take a a, a playing card from a deck of cards and he would stick it in the acoustic that he played this black this black acoustic guitar he had and I I might look it up and figure out what guitar he was playing but he would stick the playing card in it to mute the strings to keep the strings from resonating the notes, and then he would record a track using the guitar as the percussion, so you would hear like a that's why he had right, right. that sort of train, woo woo. You know, he had that train sound go, he was just banging on a muted guitar from a playing card. Now, the question is, what card was it? Was it the Joker? <laughs> well, the- I'll take,
0: I'll do you one better. For anyone who wants to learn more about that, go to Nashville, Tennessee and visit
1: the Johnny Cash Museum. I've been there. Yes. I'm not going to give it away. I want everybody to go. And then they're going to send me a percentage of the uh, ticket sales. No, just kidding. Uh, But (laughs) but, but for me,
0: even that sort of thing, I mean, because these purists, as I keep referring to them, they'll say it's not music because you're not playing those instruments or, but then like you just said, and I had a friend that I challenged him with this. Cause I forget we were watching some video uh, and there was this kid, he's using touch pads and he's going super fast and he's making this music and all the people are cheering, you know, he's in this club setting and my friends like poo pooing it. And I told him you can't do it. And he goes, well, anybody can do that because he's not really doing anything. I'm like, no, you can't. You know, I was a
1: DJ for 20 plus years professionally, uh, a live DJ. I did weddings. I did bar mitzvahs. I did parties. And yeah, at first I was playing music. And quite frankly, I was not a musician. I was playing music music there was mixing involved then eventually i started beat matching now it's becoming a little bit more of a a skill to to match the downbeat and, the, and to keep your audience uh, moving and and not lose them on the dance floor so that this took skill not only skill during but skill prior to understand the beats per minute and the measures that all these songs had so you can put them together because you weren't going to put donny osmond with uh Madonna, it just didn't work. You had to find a way to make things flow. And then I started using sequencers, and that's some of the stuff that you see today. Um, there's, there's samplers, there's sequencers. Samplers will take pieces of the songs that are playing, loop them back, process them, make them sound like something unworldly and mixed in to the, to the mix. And now there's some serious talent out there that just Blows my mind doing that.
0: Mine as well, yeah.
1: There are a lot of ways to call yourself a musician. And I think it's really important that the, the guys that are diehard, you ain't playing music. That's just loops. Somebody else recorded that. Yes, true. But somebody recorded that in a studio. The studio had a producer, had an engineer. To help them make the arrangement, to, to get the recording just right. Somebody did all that work. You're taking that and you're pasting it out, but you're still having to arrange the track. And ultimately, nowadays, it's 50 50. I don't care. how You can be the hardcore guitarist that has never touched anything digital in his life, doesn't even own a computer. But at the end of the day, your recording is going to wind up on something digital somewhere alongside of a Electronic drum kit, a synthesized bass. Some of the best music comes from synthesizers. The the keyboards of today are insane. I could
2: play a lead
1: guitar on a keyboard or play a lead guitar on a guitar, and you will not know the difference between the two. And you'll probably pick the wrong one almost every time.
0: Well, when they started getting to the point, because it used to be they would just uh, sample string notes. Well, then they started getting the slides once they started getting keyboards to mimic slides on guitars
1: that's the game changer. dynamics that's is, what it, is yeah. really what we're talking about having having the the swells the fades the things that aren't perfect they're not just boom boom but they're they're just it's like boom boom, boom, boom. It's, right. it's just the things so are not uh, they're uh, they're uh, they're unsynced a little bit you know some of the best music is not perfect music just if you really strip down a song track by track you'll realize there's a lot of mistakes in this music this
0: is what I keep trying to tell. I try to tell my kids this whenever we're watching something like uh, the NFL halftime performances or whatever. And I'm always going, eh, they're not playing that they're lip syncing. And they're like, how do you even know? I'm like, well, because it sounds too perfect. Yeah. It sounds exactly like the record. You're not doing that live. <laughs> I, I always
1: know. And I hate knowing because I always want to think that they're doing it live, but to be able to yeah. do the move, like Michael Jackson at the halftime, I'll never forget that Super Bowl i forget what year that was but michael jackson did this show and it was phenomenal one of the best halftime shows ever and his performance was too perfect he was moving way too much to be able to sing but he had a live mic and that's what's important and he does this in a lot he sorry he did this in a lot of his concerts and you can watch where he's actually singing and Lip syncing in the same song, and they would fade in and out. And that made it more organic, more natural. He can interact with the audience. He could, he can reel you in. You can't do that with a recording. Everything is perfect. The audience could be feeling you, and you can't react because you got to follow the lip sync. Right. Uh, I've never did anything like that. It's always been live for me in front of an audience. But when you're recording and producing music, well, we, we haven't even gotten into my production life yet, but. Uh, um, yeah, as far as, uh, yeah, I, we left off in studio, but like I said, I probably got unteen amounts of content for a whole nother show. Maxi break with Michael J. Mayone producer.
0: <laughs> Maxi break instead of micro break, but yeah. And, and not to, you know, not to, uh, disparage any of those halftime performances because a show is a show, you know, there's still some great shows, but oh, my thing is, I always just want to say, you know, you can tell they're not really my, the only thing I hate is when they do band syncing where you have a drummer in the background and you have all these musicians, but they're obviously not playing. I hate that. I'm like, just
1: don't, just don't bother. Like that one scene (laughs) in that thing you do, the Tom Hanks (laughs) movie where they had, they go to play and then all of a sudden the audio track comes on. They're like, what are, what are we supposed? To do? <laughs> oh, Especially the the drummer yeah, the is drummer always is the telltale. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, you can yeah. always tell when the drummer's you really. Know not the guys playing. just
1: gave up, and they're like, <laughs> "Gave up." And it's live TV. It was great. That was so great. So, it's so true.
0: So what do you think? Do you think because again, some people will say, "Well, all this technology is killing music." Do you think technology is killing music?
1: No, it's needed. Or, it's needed. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's needed. You can have a four piece quartet there they have reverb on the vocalist that's that's done with electronics let's face it nobody's using a, an analog reverb anymore
0: <laughs> no I don't think you're, good luck finding yeah good really. luck
1: finding them it's very expensive um, you, you you're processing guitar distorted guitars are distorted because they're going through processors. everything has compression on it everything has limiting l- limiting on it. There is uh, there's acoustics to play, that play a role, too. Studios are not outside for a reason. That's why there's, there's tens of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars in, in, in soundproofing to make you sound good. The garage is great for practice, but when it comes to a recording, there's so much that goes into it. And then mastering. Mastering is such an art that I would never consider myself to be a masterer a master of mastering. I I farm that out. Every album I've ever recorded, anybody that I ever worked with in the indie world, I would farm out the final master. Or I would say, hey, look, here's the rough mix. Uh, Take this. Pay whoever you want to make this uh, radio ready because it's not radio ready. Because everybody's ears are subject to different interpretation of what they're hearing. So a master does not use his ears. Well, partially, they'll, he or she will use their ears, but it's mostly numbers. It's a number. You have to be a programmer. You have to know the numbers will not lie. You could be tone deaf, but the numbers can't lie, and you know that the frequencies are falling where they need to be and the levels of each instrument and the separation of each instrument is where it needs to be, blah, 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 blah. <laughs>
0: I remember, and this was many, many years ago, sitting down with a guy who actually mastered, who did mastering, and I was lost. He was explaining things to me, and I eventually got that deer-in-the-headlights look. I'm like, I yeah. don't know anymore. Like, at first, I was getting what he was saying, and then after a while, I'm like, I, sorry, I, you, you've lost me. I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> Here, make this sound good. <laughs> Just make it no, sound good. The- I don't know what you're talking about. Just do what you do.
1: Always <laughs> oh, pre- pre-mastering is, is, is vital in music, you want to get it to sound as radio ready as possible. You want to get it to the point where I mean if you put it out on the internet on Soundhog or one of these other sites where you just host audio files. Nobody cares. Nine out of ten people listen to it through crappy headphones. It really AirPods. doesn't matter. Ear pods, whatever. But when you get down to it, then you need to produce something that needs to be radio ready, something that needs to be professional, something that's going to be streamable on like one of the big platforms like Spotify or one of those. Uh, You have to take it to the next level or it's highly noticeable and it's usually an epic failure as a result. So but yeah, back to the original tech and music. I, I don't I think they go hand in hand. Everything has tech. You could record the baseline instruments. You still have to be a musician. You have to be a musician to play an instrument. You also have to be a musician to arrange and to write and to produce and to mix and to overall engineer the project. There's, there's a lot of different facets of, of being a musician. And
0: I'd like to try to remind people that not only that, but tech has opened the door for so many people so many artists, because for me, here's my thing. I just like creativity. I'd love for anyone who's creative to have the freedom to create. And it continues to open the door for a lot of creators who may have not have had a chance. Um, I mean, you look at folks like the the uh, like Billie Eilish, how how that worked out for her and her brother. I mean, you record your first album in your bedroom at your mom's house. and that would have never been possible years ago but thanks to tech they were able to do it and it's like you can't and i just have these people and they're friends of mine and they're musicians but they're they're a little older and they're kind of like ah technology i'm like no i think you're missing the point
1: (laughs) get over it meanwhile they're on their phone uh, you know, yeah, we're looks, on the phone you know, talking about it. That's right here. It's <laughs> right here on Google. Uh, excuse me. What, what is that about technology again? Go into the library and get an encyclopedia and look it up, and then get back to me in a couple. Well, pages. and
0: then I remind them because a lot of these guys they're they're die hard die hard rockers, and I remind them. Well, you guys got to remember. Well, when rock was first starting to bloom, you had a generation before those people telling them that wasn't music and those drum. <laughs> or what about the uh, guitar? Electric guitar is playing evil notes.
1: (laughs) Hey, Leo, I remember when rock was young. Yeah, me and Susie had so much fun (laughs) holding hands. And sorry, quite frankly, I didn't really like Elton John.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know.
0: So, and I tell him, like, you, 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 I tell him, you guys sound like a bunch of grumpy old men, and you sound like your grandparents because this is what they were saying about the music that you love and you just tend to forget that and everything moves forward. There's no sense of saying, Oh, well.
1: I'm like you, Leo. I, I, I love so many genres of music. Some of the genres I listen to are so simple, simple and stripped down. We talked before you hit record about video games a little bit. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm I wouldn't consider myself a gamer. I'm a gamer. I, I play some video games. It's one of my outlets. It keeps me out of trouble and I love playing these RPGs and these uh, these online role-playing fantasy games because the production value of the audio is off the charts. And some people will throw out the music from Final Fantasy series, from World of Warcraft. Uh, this uh, Genshin Goshin Impact. I always say it wrong. It's <laughs> Genshin a Chinese, Impact. Yeah. It's a Chinese company. Yeah. But let me tell you, the game's got its flaws. All games do. But the music is... Phenomenal. It is not my favorite genre. I don't listen to this kind of music. I don't even know what to categorize it. It's classical to a degree, right? But it's also jazz. It's also a big band. It's it's unbelievable. They they produce this music all at once live in a theater. And you can see it being done in real time on YouTube. They have their own channel and watch concerts with no audience, which is really bizarre. But watch this concert of hundreds of people playing in perfect synchronization, replicating the recordings on on this game. And it blows my mind. And every instrument is analog. Every instrument, just about. Sometimes they'll have like a bass player and a guitarist and maybe a drummer. But at the end of the day, every single thing has to be played following note by note, very precise. There's no processing whatsoever. But it sounds amazing. But on the flip side, <laughs> some of the best house music, some of the best club music, some of the best dance music ever produced, all the way back to the 60s and 70s, has a lot of electronic uh, influence, mm-hmm. a lot of Absolutely. instrumentation. And I love both sides of the spectrum. They all live happily in my life. Mine yeah.
0: too, and those and everyone knows, knows me um my favorite. Uh, I love some, uh, they they call it chill, down tempo, lo-fi. I love that stuff. I I was even doing a show every weekend. We may bring it back by the way, spoiler alert to those listening. Uh, but, and, and, um, some people will know that I listen to it and they'll say, you're listening to what? And I'm like, no, you got to hear this stuff. You got to hear, it's kind of hard to explain sometimes when I listen to music, I hear the pieces, and like you were talking about the individual instruments and how they all come together. Mm. And when they make beautiful music and I hear all those pieces together, synchronized, that's what I love. It's like, I it, it doesn't even matter what kind of music it is. As long as those pieces come together just right, I love that.
1: Well, instrumentation in general is uh, is intriguing to me. See, so guitarist uh blues harp these are i'm not i don't really expand out very far as far as instruments go i could write an entire song every piece to that song but i can't play all those instruments i have to rely heavily on other musicians to do that and that's how bands are formed and somebody has to take the helm and say look this is what's what sound good here and but some people are like hey how about this? You know, the bass player, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, Ooh, that's way better than I thought of, you know, that's like,
0: apparently that's
1: how James Brown worked. <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He would, hey, he would tell them go. this sounds good. And then somebody would say, well, how about this? And he goes,
1: actually yeah that sounds better so (laughs) way back way back in the day you probably wouldn't believe this but way back in the day because you haven't really heard much of the stuff that i produced but most of the music that i produced uh was in that sort of dance electronic genre because of the way it was produced it was produced uh with loops 98 percent of the time there was no actual instrumentation being used it was just arrangements and i was compared my style was compared to the likes of quincy jones and i almost you know what my my pants because it was i was like excuse me is this a joke and this fella was big time in the business and he was going to be my stepping stone again we'll probably have to have a part two on this but uh, he was my stepping stone from independent to the commercial world uh but then the long and short of it is I never left the independent world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, but all of my producing days were, well, I didn't launch it for a career because it really didn't yield me any fruit. Uh, I did it because I'm basically cheap. I wanted to record myself. I wanted to write songs and I I needed a way to do this. Right. So I started with the four track and then eventually uh, my computers and uh, started recording multi-track and then I said well gee people don't want to hear me sing these songs these songs are meant for different types of voices and that's when I started to connect with independent artists out there m- uh vocalists for the most part, singers and, th- and and that's kind of like the next the next level we're about to you know get into but I don't want to jump ahead
0: and how long, well, we can, we can go ahead and slide on into that. And how long did you do that type of work? How long did you produce and then have other vocalists come in and take over and, or, and were you writing the vocals or would you hand them over and say, Hey, here's this track I have put something to it. Or was it a combination of both?
1: It was more or less, I wrote the lyrics, the melody and built the music and i looked for an artist voice that would fit fit the bill and the the way that you need to present a a song as a songwriter is you have to sing it you you really do even if you're not that good thank god i could sing in tune right so i would record it and i would say here's but i want your female voice on that and i want you to be you i don't want you to be me i want you to be you your style bring it to it and i work with uh A variety of oh man paris paris gordon paris leslie was her stage name oh she was woo, (laughs) she was nobody knew this woman she was older a little older i guess at that time probably in her 40s at that time that was like 1998 or 1999 oh my god that's a long time ago well i started djing in 1989 to make some money as i worked full time and had various jobs but the djing was consistent weekend gigs and and then helped me save some money to buy some equipment, get a couple of microphones, and everything was very uh, crappy at the time. Again, I, I made it all work. My sound booth for recording artists was a closet, and people do this nowadays. I shove them in the closet. Now, this lady was a little bit of a bigger woman, you know, <laughs> and a I shove book. her in there, and she is <laughs> in my closet with headphones. These very headphones, and, and that is really important to point out. These headphones uh, that I'm wearing in your video are, are the Sony's uh, that everybody wears. it's it. Okay. Everybody knows these. Everybody knows this model. Every Tom, Dick, and producer has these. I have and, a uh,
0: smaller pair, as a matter of fact, the Sony's. Oh,
1: they're very lovely. $99 back in 19. Um, I don't know when it was. Uh, I have a few pairs of these, and I've changed these uh, pads on them about six times. But anyhow, long and short of it is I stuck her in a closet, put a uh, condenser microphone, which is, these are the microphones that you and I are speaking on. Folks, just so you know, you're listening to dynamic microphones because they don't pick up a lot of uh, noise in the room. Uh, They don't have the fidelity range, but for an, uh, an audio podcast, you don't really need that much range. So... So the long and short of it is she's in this room with a condenser. It was my Rode NT1. I remember it well, these headphones. And it's like 80 degrees because I can't run the air condition because it adds too much noise to the sound floor. So she's in a closet, sweating. It's got to be 95 in the closet, dripping and singing my song. And she re- records a song that I wrote called Do the Right Thing, which became a huge club hit in New York City. It was a very local Success. It was on a couple of uh, albums that were produced by other producers as a a compilation album, right, and right. it made it all the all the way out to California. I don't know where it went. And of course, these were all registered through ASCAP. So if there was going to be any royalties, I sure as heck was going to see them. Get some tiny little checks. I think it's the consolation check that ASCAP sends <laughs> artists. <laughs> <For> sure, <25, laughs> you can go on there as a writer or a performer. So I went as a writer, and I was like, well. Hey, they played the song again. Here's two more cents. Right. So, But anyhow, yeah, so that's how it started. And I started to look for artists that would sing the songs that I were writing. And I I got to work with uh, Bill Haley in the comments, uh, the the, the band from the 50s. Oh, wow. Their their granddaughter found me. Okay. And she lived in, in... and South, yeah, her granddaughter, the granddaughter found me. She lived in South Jersey. And she says, you know, um, I'm trying to remember her first name, it's just, which is terrible. It's been a long time, Leo. I apologize. That's okay. And at the time, I wasn't as a good Christian boy as I am today. And I'll leave it at that. But I forgot a lot of things back then. <laughs> what I do remember is that her last name was uh, Haley. And she was driving up like literally from Atlantic City to to where I lived at the time, which was like a two-hour drive to sing for a few hours and then drive home. Uh, And she was only 17 years old. So she literally just got her license. I think in the beginning her parents would drop her off because they're like, we're bringing this... We're bringing our daughter to this strange guy's house. And and he's going to shove her her in a closet? Yeah, and shove her in a closet. (laughs) Something doesn't sound right. It's not adding up. (laughs) And I wrote a song for her to sing called Will I? Um, And uh, and, and then I started, to, I started to say, okay, well, this is getting tough. I'm getting, I got artists coming from Pennsylvania. I've got artists coming from New York, New Jersey. But what can I do for me? I, I did record a few songs. I recorded an entire album. It didn't go anywhere called Forget About Me. Mm-hmm. Don't record an album titled <laughs> Forget About Me.
2: <laughs> Huge mistake. Hey, Ann Barr Hey, Karen Beatty. We need a promo.
0: You know, like where we talk about what we do on our podcast. On our sugar-coated murder podcast? Like
2: how we love to bake and talk about murder? That's what we need to talk about. There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you.
0: Do you sometimes find yourself scrolling through the internet looking for articles to read only to find that you can't read through them all because you have other things going on? What if someone could read them to you while you tackle other tasks? Well, Let me tell you about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. Simply put, the entire internet becomes listenable, all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and you can follow any topic as specific as you'd like. From sports to science to Bitcoin, it will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And guess what? They have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 50 countries. And yes, this podcast, voluntary input is there too. Download and use Newsly for free now. Follow the Newsly link and use the promo code in the show notes of this episode and receive a one month free premium subscription. So again, if you ever find yourself scrolling through daily articles, stop scrolling and start listening. Follow the newsly link and use the promo code in the show notes of this episode and receive a one month free premium subscription. Oh. So, so was a lot of this uh word of mouth where artists saying, Hey, I this Michael guy He's, he's got some, he's got, he's, he did a good job on a song for me.
1: There was a few different ways of doing it. Word of mouth certainly helped kick things off. Uh, people were coming to me for remixes as well. So they would hear something that I did that I would post. Now, uh, the software that I, I recorded in at the time was, uh, now is Sony, but it was a Sonic Foundry, a program called Acid yeah. Music. That's and still I around Acid, actually. <laughs> that's crazy talk, but I, I believe you. I yeah. just, uh, I've, I've evolved, but, um, they but actually
0: not to cut you off. They actually have no. a, uh, they have mobile versions of acid. There's oh, a lot of people goodness. that still
1: use it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Foundry. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Sonic foundry, uh, which is I think acquired by Sony eventually. Now the funny thing was, is, uh, I was, uh, Sonic foundry was known for loops. I have an entire case, of. Huge case filled with these discs. I probably have $10,000 worth of loops at retail, just loops for the music. I, you, you never knew what you were going to hear from me at the time. And uh, so I, they had a social a- aspect of the software that allowed you to post songs and to put information about the song and what was used to create it and so forth. And people could go in there and vote, or they can go in there and they can request you to do a recording for them for the, they they have a track they want or uh, i was doing remixes people had recordings of their own in their own studios they would send me the the raw wave files and i would remix their songs i would turn them into house songs club songs techno songs whatever and change them around rearrange them they call them mashups now or um, things like that so yeah, yeah. back then we just Remix. just rearranged the song. Yeah, remix, whatever. Right. So I was doing remix.
2: remixes. <laughs> yeah. There
1: you go. Uh, so I started doing that as well. And then I said, well, I want to reach a broader audience. So I started to advertise my, myself on Mandy.com. I'm not sure if Mandy is still around today, but Mandy.com was really more of a focus on the independent film and TV industry. Mm-hmm and i put an ad out there put some samples out there and started getting people to come to me through that to do some sound work for film and tv which was fun so whatever i was doing whether it was loops or playing the guitar didn't matter people liked what they were hearing and they were willing to pay me and cover my expenses to produce these i the biggest project i did in film would be producing an entire soundtrack for a full-length feature called The Pon Hoppers. Now, before you go to the theaters and try to find this film, <laughs> it was it was not sold to any of the film festivals because it had issues prior to me ever being involved in the film. And the issues were uh, in um, vo- audio recording, the, the sound recorders was a uh, train wreck, for lack of a better word. Oh, did a terrible okay. job. Yes. uh There were some uh, redubs that had to be done, and, and, and the film was in the can for probably eight years in the make. And people get older, and guess what? If you're young and you get older, your voice gets deeper. Yeah, it's kind of hard it, for yeah. you to go back and put your voice back over yourself, so now you're back to that overdubbing again. Uh, so long and short of it, it is it didn't really sell, but I got to do sound design on it as well, which is different than music. Sound design is is like a door closes, <laughs> you know, the door of sound. And they do that analog, and sometimes I do it digitally, it depends. Uh, and I got to do the film score, and I created a soundtrack. And my title track from that, which I'm very proud of to this day, is called Pond Hoppin'. I know, I know. This The movie was... It's about a British theatrical troupe trying to make it big on Broadway, but they're all oh, from Britain. Oh,
0: because they hopped the, the pond. The
1: pond. We the like pond. to call
0: it the, the folks pond. across the pond. That old thing. Um,
1: unlike know. many independent films that are very dark in nature, very, I don't know what it is about independent films, but they all, they're all they all in what I like to call the minor key. They're all just dark and, and, and cheeky. Th- this was a lighthearted, comedy with humor and uh, i thought uh, th- uh, the the producer uh a director the director was um uh, justin golding who still directs to this day uh, I, c- I could go on and on but anyhow <laughs> I, I i did tv spots 30 second ads all this stuff is somewhere on variety of hard drives i have here i was
0: gonna ask you do you still have all of this music that you've produced
1: over the I, years i have some of it out there on the web uh, i i even have trouble looking for it sometimes i looked up my production company name mjm productions i can't even find anything anymore i find other people took the name apparently i'm not the only one with those initials so imagine it, it. was uh, yeah imagine that but I know I uh, what's it, SoundCloud, or is that yeah, the big one? That's the um, one most people use, yeah. SoundCloud, yeah. I have some stuff out there. I think Pond Hoppin is, uh, is out there. Um, I did some, oh, I did all kinds of stuff on there, and I wrote the lyrics for that song. Uh, Pond hopping, take me to the other side. It was a jazz track, I mean, it was very jazzy a total, you know, contemporary jazz. But,
0: and speaking of, and, and again, back to the topic of hand tech and music, um, there's a lot of, I mean, you were talking about, um, was it man, what'd you say? Namby
1: where people could Mandy M-A-N-D-Y Mandy. Like,
0: uh-huh. a okay. Like a woman's name, Mandy. So nowadays, um, and I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I I've seen them. Now, not only can you do so that, there. where you can put up your tracks and whatnot, you can have a
1: real-time online collaboration with other musicians yeah. and producers. Oh, we had no social media at this time. Right. We, had no, we had no smartphones at this time. And, it, it, I mean, yeah, by the way, Mandy.com still Still and there, and I wouldn't be surprised worldwide. if they if they have what I'm talking about now
0: because that's kind of like the big thing now with uh, musicians, especially you know now people talk about how COVID hit. Well, how do we get together and make music? Well, we have these online oh, platforms weird. now where you can collaborate. And again, tech and music, tech isn't is, just, it's not it, the I, evil.
1: Right. It's not the evil. It's it's the uh, the essence. No, you know what it is. It's like cake is really good. I love pound cake. By the way, did you know that pound cake is one pound of flour, one pound of sugar, and one pound of butter? That's where the name pound cake comes from. Mm. We'll, we'll do a show on it one day, a micro break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it micro bake. <laughs> I don't
0: know. know. People you know, might get the wrong idea by that. I, I
1: think so. I think so. <laughs> but when you get when you, our angel food cake, very delicious, a little lighter, easier on the, on the tummy, you know, especially if you're trying to cut calories. But now you cover that cake with whipped cream or maybe put a layer of strawberry in the middle and you cover it with whipped cream, put a little decoration on it. And now it's like the cake that we all know. It's like a, you know, a wedding cake, a birthday cake. That's what electronics do for analog music. It's like the cake is good. It's delicious all by itself. But when you make it into a full-blown cake with all the fixings on it and all the whipped cream and the little flowers and all that, now you've got the mix of both worlds. They're the, the perfect blend. And I I think they they have to live in harmony.
0: But like I said, bottom line for me, the biggest thing I just don't like when people say, oh, well, that's not that's not this. Because for me, it's you're creating. I, I, I'm just a sucker for creativity. And I see so many people making some wonderful, wonderful things, some great music. Sure, they may not be using the instruments that everyone's used to or the quote unquote, things you're supposed to be using, but they're creating. And for me, creativity is more important than the tools you use to create.
1: Well, let me, tell you, let me, let me say something here. Uh, most hip hop, hip hop uh, rap songs, uh, it's almost all electronic. Yes, there's analog instrumentation, but there's certain sounds, there are certain sounds and hits that you hear in hip hop music that is is genuinely digital it's genuinely done on a computer or on a synthesizer of some kind and and there's a fine line now a guy playing a synthesizer is technically an actual musician playing an instrument and creating all these sounds absolutely he's a musician he's but he's also an arranger a composer and a producer all at the same time Uh, we we all kind of wear multiple hats in the music business um, where I find it interesting is that there are a lot of sound people sound engineers producers and that that have never played an instrument in their life and I'm sure you can look up some of the best in the business have they, they can't even sing in the shower and sound good they can't play a single instrument they have no clue but they have an ear for it And they have the technical ability, the nerdism, if you will, to make it happen. There are a lot less musicians that do both as well. There's a lot of great musicians, way better than I'll ever be, but they have no idea how to capture their moments. They have no idea how to record. They, they pay everybody, everything for every aspect of their production to make a CD, to make an album, to be on Spotify. Uh, I love that I'm a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. It's helped me get to where I am now, which is a full-time job in sales.
0: Well, but not to mention, don't you... um, And I just had this conversation on someone else's podcast about just tinkering and being curious. I mean... Being a jack of all trades for me anyway, and I, I don't know if I will call myself that, but I do love to dabble in a lot of things, <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of just being curious. And I mean, that to me, that's life. I mean, I don't want to live my life going, okay, this is the one thing I know and that's it. And then I die just knowing that one thing and did that one thing my entire life. That's just a boring existence to me. <laughs> just there's nothing wrong with being a quote unquote jack of all trades because you're living life to the fullest as far as i'm concerned you're learning new things it's fun it's a good time yeah yeah you said you wanted to play a song for us tonight can you tell us a little bit about the song first
1: uh yeah actually this song was never recorded anywhere so this is only lived in 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 the live space uh back in mm, gosh i want to say 2011 2010 I started forming bands for uh, another genre that I'm uh, close to my heart, uh, contemporary Christian, Christian rock and Christian country. So very upbeat stuff, but with a positive message, of course. Um, And I got with a band. We named ourselves Three Way Stop, and we started to perform out at these types of functions, whether it be church outings and picnics and things like that, uh, outreaches, and uh, I started writing quite a few songs. I've, I've written so many more Christian songs than I ever have analog songs, even when I was producing music, which is bizarre. And this song didn't make it onto my album that I released. By the way, uh, it's called Highway of Grace, the album. You can find that on Spotify by Three Way Stop. Uh, it's an EP. It's about six songs. But this song was one of my latest re- uh, latest r- songs that I wrote that um, that I never really got to play out because our band sort of fizzled out. Uh, the the bass player moved away. The drummer did. So bottom line is uh, this song uh, that I wrote is called "Center of Everything," and it's a little bit more of a, uh, a I wouldn't say crossover. It's a little bit more secular in, in nature. Uh, mm, folks, okay. uh, secular means the stuff you listen to on the radio that isn't Christian. <laughs> um, but it, this could almost go either direction so sometimes you have to what they say meet meet the person halfway you know don't don't scare them with the you know just meet them where they're Jesus at. out there and they're like ah yeah meet them where they're at don't use that word <laughs> my dad uses it but in a different way I'm like no that's not that's not what we're talking about it's always about, when I mean.
0: he's working on the car <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: funny, that's funny. Uh, so I thought it'd be kind of cool to see that the show that I could actually play a A regular instrument (laughs) and sing without a processor. So there's no reverbs or anything here. This is just like raw. So yeah, so I thought maybe when we close I'll I'll play it's a very short song too. It works out perfect. Well, I'll tell you what, before we do
0: that, how about we you go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you
1: and about your podcast? Absolutely. Yeah, so so just just to be clear, as far as music production and, and those things go, disc jockey. And, and, and anything like that, I am uh, pretty much retired from that. Uh, I would do it for fun, and I'm always there, available. You can fo- follow me at Twitter at micro underscore break. Micro break is my podcast. This podcast is released every week. And it's about 15 minutes. It's the podcast for humans with the attention span of a goldfish, where I share my thoughts, wisdom and humor on a wide range of topics from yesterday to today. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite shows, mainly because of that 15 minute yeah. format. <laughs> you know, you are a, you are a huge fan and I, I really appreciate your support, but yeah, so uh, you can find me uh, wherever podcasts are listened to. I'm sure Leo will provide link for that, but uh, micro underscore break on Twitter. And, uh, Don't be bashful. If you have questions, look, everybody has an opinion. And keep that in mind. When you ask technical questions about music of any kind, especially even just recording your own podcast, expect to get a lot of different answers. There's no right or wrong answer. It's really what you're going for. When I see these types of questions, Leo, I always ask three questions back because there's no way to properly answer without using your own Injected opinion. So you gather more information about what the person's really trying to do. For instance, I, I need a microphone to make myself sound better. That is way too general. Everybody's going to say, oh, you need this one, the SM7B. Oh, I use the Rode. And- this doesn't help the person. No, it doesn't. What is your budget? First of all, that, that's the first most XLR. important. <laughs> first- what is your budget? What is your budget? And what is your budget? $99. Right. Okay. Analog or digital? direct to DAW or through hardware live or not video or not. There's so many questions and I love to help people. And then they have some education and now they can make the decision for themselves. But again, opinions are like, you know what, everybody has one and sometimes they stink. So you gotta be careful. <laughs> hey, I try, I try. I, yeah, I don't. Cause then you on the flip side of that, you have people who are
0: just throwing opinions out there. I try to refrain from that. I'm like, uh, if you ask me a question, I'll, I'll do like you. I'll I'll, yeah, I'll talk to you, but right. I'm not going to just sit there and Hey, I know it's all this. True. This is you need to be doing what I'm doing. No, no you Sometimes don't. I'll throw a
1: pro tip out there, and yeah. looking say, what makes him a pro? Well, I can throw a pro tip out there. If I wasn't a pro, yeah, uh, you know, I'm like I said, jack of all trades, master none. You should always be learning. Always. Uh, once you once you think you know it all, people stop you know, helping you period. Once you think? You're an old, all people stop helping you. Like, why are you asking me that? You're the big shot. You know, everything. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're ready, I'm going to give you the whole show.
0: You're going to have the whole screen, the whole, the whole shebang to yourself.
1: Uh, I don't need any of that. Oh yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, let me, uh, so I'm going through, uh, in the essence of, uh, Audio here. This is the the Rode, uh, which doesn't live well with uh, guitars. It, it likes microphones, but so I uh, the guitar sounds. I don't know. It's hard to tell how it's going to sound. So or the
0: Rode uh, what?
1: Uh, oh, the uh, It's the, um, the Rodecaster Pro. Uh, oh yeah, because Rode? it was built for that's my interface. Yeah, that's yeah, it my was interface. built for
0: microphones. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's me
1: see here. Uh, let me see if I got to. So you probably—it's probably going to get picked. It's probably going to get picked up on the microphone as well. Uh, so I don't want to be screaming, and, and then the guitar is so low. So let's make sure we get a good mix there. I'm so picky. See what I mean? I can't just—just just, just go right? with it. Just go with it. I'll give—I'll give you the ho. The stage is yours, sir. All right. What's let's the song it. again? This song is called "Center of Everything," written by well, me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it.
2: I had to be the life of the party, I had to be the king of the hill, it had to be my way or the highway, it had to be all about me, and you took away. My foolish need My foolish need to be the center of everything You took away My foolish need My foolish need to be the center of everything I had to be the king of my castle and I had to be my own boss it had to be take it or leave it it had to be all about me and you took away my foolish need my foolish need to be the center of everything you took away my foolish need my foolish need to be the center of everything my foolish need to be the center of everything. Yeah. My foolish need to be the center of everything.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Love it. Good job. Great first job. Time I played that in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded no, no great. Kidding. Sounded great. And the message is very clear because i've
1: markwood there you
0: go there oh that, the one from guitar center exactly if anyone has lived through certain things in life you know how important it is to stop making yourself the center of
1: everything <laughs> exactly exactly oh yeah it used to call me one way may own uh, i i used to get all i used to get all of them you know when you're a musician you know or or a performer, an artist—it's hard to tuck that ego away. Mm-hmm. It took me a long, long time to get to that point where I don't want it to be about me anymore. And I thought this song was perfectly appropriate. Absolutely,
0: and just wanted to point out to any, to everyone that when you listen to the Microbreak Show, the Microbreak Podcast, that music—all the music you hear michael produces and plays all of that himself as well great nice. stuff i always love when you do shows where you'll have a guest you even made a song for me when i was on your show
1: i'm like this <laughs> yeah. stuff is awesome uh Use- using an actual computer i i you know that you loved i i do that i had uh infectious groove podcast and i did a remake of lyrics of infectious groove uh, of uh let's groove tonight yeah Instead of let's groove tonight i did infectious groove tonight <laughs> on the micro break Podcast. <laughs> i mean I, I yeah uh dick clark song i was singing there uh that was uh oh my goodness uh the barry manilow song yeah i i like to have fun on the show the show is definitely about having fun and being educated and then getting out so i do a lot of editing and it's very retro and i didn't actually mention the you know what you're going to hear on micro break and you're going to hear stuff from the eighties. So maybe a little stuff from today, there's history of series and then I'll have artists on like Leo Allen. There's folks go back and listen to Leo Allen on my show. And I give up the 30 minutes when I do a guest spotlight, because I want them to have more time.
0: It's a wonderful, wonderful show. So
1: Mike, I want Mike. Do people call you Mike anymore? Is it always Michael? My wife,
0: my mom, (laughs) i am not i'm not in that league no sir you're michael to me so Michael, you're you're handsome but uh, no No, i'm not in wife and mom league at all i'm not even gonna try to reach those heights that's that's up here i'm more down here somewhere
1: i'm just a dude you can call me by my you can call me by my stage name if you want oh what was that michael j michael (laughs) j well (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, Michael J., I want to thank you for coming on to Voluntary Input. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Always a pleasure to interact with you on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, if you want to find me, I'm on there as well. Just look for Le- at Leo J. Allen Jr. And as always, thanks for tuning in to Voluntary Input. And if you want to know more about Voluntary Input, just go to VoluntaryInput.com. You can find all the different places you can listen to the show. You can even listen to it right there on the website, by the way. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions or comments or show ideas, just select contact us. And better yet, if you would like to be a guest on the show, select register as a guest because we're always looking for great guests like you. Thanks again, Michael J., for coming on.
1: Hey. Thank you so much
0: for listening, and we'll catch you on the next we'll one. We'll catch you on the next
1: one. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya.